I get the opportunity to share with you this morning. And you know, I was thinking about it that when, when Scott first got it, and he could kind of tell it was there, but he wasn't sure, you know, that, that virus had passed from Raina to him, and poor little Raina probably got it from somebody at school. That's the way it usually works. And that's how those viruses spread. And that's kind of how sickness spreads amongst God's people, too. It starts out as a small thing, and it gets passed from person to person. But I'm not talking about runny noses and, and you know, sneezing and sniffling and fevers. The sickness I'm talking about usually starts in the eyes, and they get green. Not that, not that green, crusty stuff in the corner of your eye that you wake up with in the morning, but green eyes. We call it the green-eyed monster, and it's, it's jealousy or envy. And you know, we've been talking about the emojis of life, and Pastor Scott has covered uh, several of them, disappointment, lust, anger, and today is jealousy or envy. And I know that right now, all of you are sitting there, and already you're disappointed by the fact that you didn't get to see Scott's shirt, because every single week he's worn a shirt that had the emoji on it. Now, he did have his shirt ready, and he encouraged me to wear it. <laughs> you see those bugged out eyes? They didn't look like that before I tried to put it on. <laughs> but the bottom line is, I don't want Rally to be jealous. He loves this shirt, so I'm not going to wear it. Sorry about that. But we are going to talk this morning about jealousy and envy. And uh, we're going to use those terms interchangeably, jealousy, envy, coveting. Uh, this is what the dictionary says uh, is the definition of the word envy. A feeling of discontented or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or luck. Now, it's very important for us to start out by noting that jealousy isn't always a bad thing because God himself defines himself as a jealous God. But see, God isn't jealous about something that he doesn't have or something that we possess that he wants because God has everything and God has no need of anything that anybody else is in possession of. See, God's jealousy is different. He's jealous over us because he loves us so much. And because he wants the very best for us. And because he doesn't want us to have idolatry in our lives, to have other people or other things that have taken his rightful place in our lives. That's idolatry. But see, our jealousy is a very different thing. It's often not righteous. It is not loving. It's actually pretty ugly stuff. So this morning we're going to look at how to take care of or handle that jealousy in a biblical fashion. And we're going to move around the scriptures a little bit, but we're, we're going to kind of focus in the book of 1 Samuel. So if you have your Bibles with you, take those and open them to 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel 18. So what do we need to know about jealousy? Well, the first thing that we need to recognize about jealousy is jealousy will come. Jealousy will come. You know, the book of Genesis alone is a treasure trove 
of examples of the commonness and destructiveness of jealousy. Think about it. Satan fell because of his pride. He was jealous of God. He thought himself equal to God. And then that fallen angel gets a hold of Eve and appeals to her jealousy. This is what he says in Genesis 3, 5. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So Eve and then Adam, that pride, that jealousy in their lives. I want to be like God. I can know good and evil. And they bring about the fall of man. And then Adam and Eve's sons, Cain and Abel. Cain gets jealous of his brother Abel and kills him. Folks, we're not only, we're, we're like four chapters into the book of Genesis, and we've seen angels fall, mankind fall, the first murder, all of it due to jealousy. And you know what? The examples just go on and on. Rachel was jealous of her sister Leah. Genesis 30, verse 1. Now, when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she became jealous of her sister. And she said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. Wow, that's a case of jealousy. I need children like my sister or else I die. Jacob's other sons were, were jealous of their brother Joseph, Genesis 37. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age and he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Joseph was daddy's favorite and that made the other guys really jealous. Jealous to the point that they end up selling him into slavery after first abandoning a plan to kill him, to throw him in a cistern and leave him to die. That's what I call jealous. And then we have Saul and David. And we're going to pick up our story in 1 Samuel chapter 18. Uh, this happens just after God had given the victory to uh, David over Goliath and the Philistines. We'll pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 6. As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated, Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry at this saying, displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. The next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day. Saul had his spear in his hand, and Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. So Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David had success in all of his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw, Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before them. 
Now, let's put this into perspective. Just two chapters earlier in Samuel 16, we read this. And David came to Saul and entered his service. And Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. He loved him greatly. He had found favor in his sight. But suddenly, in the midst of this great joyful celebration, some women in song make a comparison between Saul and David, in which David appears to be exalted above Saul. And bam, David goes from being greatly loved to being potential shish kebab. Why? Why? Simple. Jealousy, the green-eyed monster, had gotten a hold of Saul. Folks, those examples are throughout the scriptures. I want you to think about the arrest and trial and crucifixion of Christ. Mark chapter 15, verse 9 and 10 says, And he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. Folks, even Pilate recognized that it was jealousy, it was envy that had motivated the chief priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, those that had made accusations against Christ and arrested him and put him on trial. It was motivated by their jealousy. Pilate could see it. The examples of Scripture are very clear. Jealousy will come. And you need to be careful because you are not immune to it any more than you're immune to any other sin. You need to examine yourself very closely. You know, recently, some of the other guys on the staff and one of our, uh, one of our oversight team members went down to Lafayette, Indiana for uh, a five-day training uh, there and trying to be good stewards of, of uh, what God has provided um, one of the uh, people, ladies in the office, the office manager, booked us a room in a small hotel, uh, motel. And, um, you know, I have since uh, begun to call it the Bates Motel for a number of reasons that became painfully obvious all too quickly. And as I finally got into my room, I realized, uh-oh, it looks clean on the outside, but these rooms can be kind of famous for bed bugs, and I don't need any of that. I don't want to take anything home with me. So what did I do? I got down on my knees, and I stripped the beds apart, and I pulled apart the sheets, and I looked at the mattress, and looked in the seams of the mattress, and looked under the mattress, looked at the box springs. I wanted to know if there was something hiding in there that I didn't want to have a part of. And you know what? If we're going to examine our hearts for something that can really kind of creep in there insidiously like jealousy, we're going to have to make it a good, solid examination. We're going to have to look good and hard. Because you know what? Jealousy will come. We need to understand that. And we also need to understand that jealousy will make you miserable. I want you to think about Saul's circumstances. His army had just triumphed over Goliath and the Philistines. His subjects are dancing in the street and singing his name. You'd think this guy has a reason to be feeling pretty good. 
but instead he's miserable. Jealousy has him experiencing a lot of emotions. None of them are pleasant. Look at verse 8. And Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. So he's angry. He's displeased. Not uncommon reactions to envy or jealousy. Proverbs 6.34 says, For jealousy makes a man furious, and he will not spare when he takes revenge. See, jealousy and anger often go hand in hand. And that resulting anger is misplaced anger. Why is Saul mad at David? All David did was exactly what Saul and the rest of the Israelites wanted him to do. He went out and killed the giant. But now Saul's mad at him. And logically, you'd think, well, Saul should be mad at, if anybody, the, the women singing the songs. They're the ones who had accidentally offended him by, by saying David his tens of thousands and Saul only his thousands. But you know what? Saul's pride was getting in his way. Saul had a pride issue. And you know what, folks? People who struggle with pride don't want to hear anybody else being praised, no matter how well-deserved that praise is. All praise belongs to them. Saul wanted all the praise because pride and jealousy are very closely linked. Remember our friends, the sons of Jacob? Well, initially they got jealous of Joseph because he was dad's favorite. But that made them angry at him. That's not his fault. You would have thought they'd be mad at dad. Be mad at Jacob. He's the guy making the colossal parenting mistake. Not, not Joseph. But that jealousy and its resulting anger weren't logical. They were irrational. That's what jealousy is. It's irrational and Joseph is going to end up being the victim of that jealousy, but he's also going to exacerbate it a little bit himself because he's going to end up not only having brothers who are jealous of him, but he hurts their pride. Joseph starts to tell his brothers about his dreams of them bowing down to him. You know, that's just what every brother wants to hear, right? You know, I got to thinking about that, and I thought, you know, when my younger brother and I were little, if he had come to me and said, guess what, I had a dream and you're going to bow down to me. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the pride would have kicked in very quickly and I would have probably said, oh yeah, well, bow down to this and then hauled off and slugged him one. Now, I'm looking at the young people out there. This would have been a very bad plan. Okay? Remember... Mr. Maroney didn't know Jesus as his Savior when he was your age, so he was routinely making bad decisions. We don't hit our brothers and sisters. But guys, it would not have made me very happy, and it certainly didn't make Joseph's brothers very happy. You know what? We all need to watch out for pride and its buddy jealousy because they're always hanging around together. Proverbs 11:2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace but with the humble is wisdom. So Saul's miserable because his pride is hurt. He's angry. You know what? He's also dealing with a nice case of paranoia. Look at verse, uh, the end of verse 8 and verse 9. He said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. 
Did you get that? Saul eyed David from that day on. He worried that David was going to have his kingdom. He's paranoid. He's constantly looking over his shoulder. In his mind, somehow David had done something treasonous or treacherous to him. David meant to steal his kingdom. You see, Saul's jealousy has turned into paranoia. You know, we get our Greek word paranoia from, or our word from a Greek word, which means madness. And Saul has let his jealousy literally lead him into a type of madness. He wants to kill David. That's madness. In Proverbs 26, 18, Solomon writes this, like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death. Now, why do you suppose, as God inspired Solomon to write that proverb, the imagery that he gave to Solomon was that? Could it be that Solomon's own dad, David, had 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 exactly that happen to him twice? A madman decided to throw arrows and death at him? But you know what? Saul's woes don't stop there. Not only is he miserable due to jealousy and pride and anger and paranoia, but he's also racked with fear. Look at verse 15. And when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. So Saul's jealousy had also wrought fear in his life. Proverbs 19.23 says, The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. You see, the fear of the Lord is a good thing, but it's the only fear that God wants in our lives. The fear of man is not a part of God's will for us. Proverbs 29.25 says, The fear of man lays a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Folks, Saul's life is spiraling out of control. And when we fall prey to jealousy, ours will too. Our jealousy often feels like it starts out small or trivial, but don't be fooled. It's not going to stay that way. It grows, it festers. It's like that little bit of a virus that Scott had. And it started small, but it didn't stay small. It gives birth to a whole host of other sins and problems. Anger, hurt, pride, paranoia, fear, you name it. The list goes on and on. It is undeniable. Jealousy will make you miserable. And you know what? Jealousy will ruin relationships. Saul went from loving David to trying to kill him. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody tries to kill me, that's going to put a damper on our relationship. And it doesn't take that. Those, those relationships can be ruined by jealousy without somebody making an attempt on somebody else's life. And you know what? More often than not, it affects more lives than just those two people. A lot more lives. Obviously, jealousy ruins Saul and David's relationship, but I want you to notice all of the collateral damage that happens here. Saul's son, Jonathan, this is what we read in 1 Samuel 18. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Jonathan loved David immensely, and Saul's jealousy towards David is going to drive a wedge between him and his son. Jonathan found himself forced to deceive and to lie to his father. 
in order to protect David. He knew that that wasn't right. I'm sure it grieved Jonathan to have to be deceitful to his father, who he loved. But he knew that what his father was trying to do was wrong, and he couldn't allow David to be murdered by his father. So he had to deceive him and lie to him. So jealousy had put Jonathan, at no fault of his own, into a no-win situation. He is collateral damage. In 1 Samuel chapter 20, we read this, Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse over your own sh- to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? Saul's jealousy of David has so corrupted him that he speaks like this to his own son. And keep in mind, this is at a public feast in earshot and witness of many, many people who would have never expected him to treat his own son in such a despicable fashion. But you know what? Jealousy is no respecter of persons. And don't miss the fact that Saul also threw his wife under that bus, right? What, look at what he, you know, what, what he said about her. He said, a perverse, rebellious woman. That's another way of saying a prostitute. He's actually saying, you know what, Jonathan, I don't even know if you're mine. Wow, that's ugly. And you know what? Saul's victims are just starting to pile up. He's not done yet. In 1 Samuel 18, 20, we read, Now Saul's daughter Michal loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. Saul thought, let me give her to him, that she may be a snare for him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. That's nice. Saul's going to marry off his daughter so that she can be a trap to the man that she loves. He's hoping that very soon she'll be a widow. Ugly stuff. And of course, Michal also finds herself in the unenviable position of lying to her father and disrespecting him on David's behalf. Both her and Jonathan's behavior were completely justified, but I doubt that made it much easier for them. So the relationship scrap heap of Saul's jealousy is growing very impressively. His wife, his son, his daughter, they're all on there along with David. And we don't want to forget the most important relationship of all. Saul's relationship with God. You know, Saul was already on rocky ground with the Lord when his jealousy over David took hold of him. And we don't want to miss the fact that those two things go hand in hand. David was already straying away from the Lord when this came upon him. But rather than repenting and trying to get right with God... He's going to allow his fixation on that jealousy to keep driving him further and further and further away from God. The chasm between them just keeps growing. And you know what? That's what sins like jealousy will do. Isaiah 59.2 says, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Saul's sinful jealousy was making that chasm between him and God wider and wider and wider. And you know what? That's what happens to us as well. Sin. Jealousy is a sin. In fact, 
It's on top, God's top 10 list. Exodus 20, 17 says, You shall not cover your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Jealousy is a form of covetousness, and it is a sin, plain and simple. And just like Saul, when we have unrepentant sin in our lives, such as jealousy, it hides God's face from us, and he does not hear our prayers. Jealousy will ruin relationships. It'll ruin earthly relationships, and it'll ruin your relationship with your heavenly Father. So we've seen that jealousy will come. Jealousy will make you miserable. Jealousy will ruin relationships. But how about some good news? Jealousy can be overcome. How do we do that? How do we overcome this emoji of jealousy? Well, we're not going to be able to look to Saul for our answer because guess what? Saul never handled his jealousy. It got the best of him. It handled him. The end of, of 1 Samuel in chapter 31, we read where God has just given David uh, a victory over the Amalekites. But Saul and his sons embroiled in a battle with the Philistines are not getting God's victory. And, and Saul's sons are all killed, and Saul himself, being mortally wounded, throws himself on his sword and, and kills himself. Saul did not handle his jealousy, and it played a huge role in his ultimate demise. So we're going to have to look elsewhere for our answers on how to handle jealousy. In the book of James, chapter 3, it says this, But if you you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The first thing we need to understand in handling jealousy is that we need to recognize it. We need to admit the problem, admit the the problem to ourselves, and admit the problem to God. Don't make excuses. Don't rationalize your jealousy. Don't boast and be false to the truth. You can't say, well, that should have been my promotion, not his. He schmoozed the boss. Or, well, the only reason they have that beautiful house is because their husband cheats his clients. Or, Or whatever story it is you're telling yourself to rationalize that jealousy or to feel better about it. We can't do that. We can't rationalize it. James just told us that that sort of thinking is wisdom that is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. That's some serious stuff. Because sin in any form is serious stuff. Listen to how Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, described the sin of jealousy. Proverbs 27, 4. Wrath is cruel, anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Who can stand before jealousy? The green-eyed monster is indeed a monster. Try to ignore it, try to rationalize it, use the earthly wisdom, and it will take you down. You need to recognize your jealousy. And once we've recognized it, we need to expose it to the light. Remember, we said that jealousy is often thought of as a 
a hidden sin, something that others can't see. We like to keep it buried away. Most people won't just come out and admit that they're jealous or envious. We hide it behind deceitful words and fake smiles. But as we saw with Saul, our sin will not stay hidden. It will come out. Numbers 32 says, uh, 23 says, But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. The sin of jealousy won't stay hidden as you or I might believe it would. In the book of Mark chapter 7, it says, For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things, evil things, come from within, and they defile a person. See, jealousy or coveting, envy, that comes from the heart. And Luke teaches us in Luke chapter 6 that what's in our heart will come out. Luke 6.45 says the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So that hidden jealousy, it's going to see the light of day. The question is, do you want it to be seen by all, or do you want to expose it to the light of God's word? If you want to handle jealousy, you're going to have to pull it up out of the depths of your heart where it's hiding and expose it to God's light. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we, talk, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We have to expose jealousy to God's light. But how do we do that? Well, 1 Peter 2 says this, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that it may, uh, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. God's word is how we shed his light on that jealousy. If you want to get it out of your heart, you need to push it out with the good things of God, with God's word, with his statutes. Because when you read God's word and you fill your heart with God's word, then those good things, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, those are the things that come out of you. But when your heart is filled with things like jealousy, envy, fear, anger, it's the vile things of this world that are eventually going to come out. When you expose that envy to the light of God's word, you can be overwhelmed by his goodness for you. And you know what? You'll stop comparing yourself to others and what others have. And that's your next step for handling jealousy. Stop comparing. You know, Pastor Mickey loves to do biblical counseling. He is uh, very gifted at it. He loves to help people with God's word. But he also has a video that he likes to show and uh, that video is Bob Newhart, who at one time played a psychiatrist on TV, uh, doing a little skit in which he's some sort of psychiatrist or psychologist. And somebody comes to him for help, and, and she has a problem. Her problem is she's afraid of being buried alive in a box. And Bob tells her, well, it's five minutes for the first, or five dollars for the first five minutes session. 
and uh, after that it's free, but I don't think you'll need more than five minutes. And of course, she's astounded that he could help her with her problem in five minutes, but uh, she goes on to spend about three or four minutes explaining how fearful she is of being buried alive in a box and the terrible impact it's having on her life. And as she's done, he says, okay, I have the solution for you. If you want to write it down, get out your notepad and your pen there. It's not long, but write it down anyway. She's ready to write, and he says, okay, it's two words. Stop it. She says, what? He says, that's it. Stop it. What do you mean? Stop being worried about being, yes, stop it. And, of course, she's incredulous and, and says, I don't know. That seems oversimplified. I don't know that I can do that. He says, well, I have another solution for you. It's a little longer. Write it down. It's ten words. Stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box. (laughs) Yes, it's oversimplified, but it's good advice. Stop it. Stop comparing. Stop comparing what you have to others. Stop comparing your car, your house, your job, your kids, your money, Whatever it is, stop comparing it. You know what? Those comparisons aren't healthy. They're a symptom of your lusts, your desires of the flesh. 1 John 2, 15 and 16 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Folks, those desires of the flesh, of the eyes, the pride of life, when you start to compare what you have with others, you're giving in to those lusts of the world. And you know what? If you didn't get a chance to hear Pastor Scott's sermon a couple of of weeks ago about handling lusts, I recommend that you go out onto the church website and you'll find podcasts out there and you can listen free to a podcast uh, of that sermon Because, you know what, your lust for the things of this world are going to lead you further into the sin of envy and jealousy as well. So stop comparing. Just stop it. Well, God is good in that. Usually when he tells us to stop doing something, he tells us what to start doing in its place. And he does that here as well. Start giving thanks. You know, Pastor Rick Warren characterized jealousy this way. Jealousy is when we resent God's goodness in others' lives and ignore God's goodness in our own lives. Boy, is that true. And if we want to stop focusing on what others have, we've got to start focusing on what God has given to us. Saul was so focused on the accolades that David was receiving that he failed to remember all that God had given him. God made him... The king, God gave him many victories. God gave him family and and loyal servants and rich. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. How good God had been to him, and yet all he could focus on was what David was getting. Saul's jealousy had taken his eyes off of God's many blessings and put them someplace else. And instead of rejoicing in David's blessings as he should have, he chose to envy them. Romans twelve fifteen says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Saul was supposed to rejoice with David over the blessings that God had provided. Isn't that what a true friend would do? Would rejoice with you? Well, it's certainly what God has commanded us to do. Consider the greatest commandment. 
Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you're loving your neighbor as yourself, then the blessings that they receive are pleasing to you. Not something to be jealous over. There's something to be celebrated, to be rejoiced over. And if we envy them, instead, we certainly aren't loving God with all of our heart and soul and mind. In fact, we're questioning God's judgment. We're saying, God, why do you give that to them instead of to me? Let me question your judgment for a minute, God. I don't like your choices. We're questioning his provision. We're saying, I needed that more than he needed it. Why didn't you give it to me, God? I question your provision in my life because I can find in my heart to be upset about something that you gave someone else. You know what? We're questioning his very sovereignty. We're essentially saying, God, something's wrong with your good and perfect plan because if your good and perfect plan was right, I would have got that blessing, not that guy over there. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And if you trust God to be true to his promises, and God is always true to his promises, then you have to stop questioning his plans by lamenting what he hasn't provided for you and focus on what he has. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in everything, including your neighbor's good fortune. Develop that attitude of gratitude that you hear so much about. It needs to be a part of your your DNA, who you are, is just gratitude before God for his incredible provision in your life. And you know what? In addition to looking at all God has given us, we need to look at the cross. When you're tempted to diminish all that God has done for you here on this earth, to lose sight of how great your blessings really are, then you need to look to the cross. Can anybody who truly loves Jesus gaze upon that cross? What we celebrated this morning here in communion, the broken body, the shed blood of Christ, and realize that it was my sin and your sin that held him there? In light of that, can we really find it in our hearts to be dissatisfied with all of the riches that he's provided us and all that are yet to come. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though it is now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it be tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Folks, as it always does, 
the cross puts our petty jealousies into proper perspective. It puts everything into proper perspective. But if you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus' free gift of salvation, that perspective eludes you. That ability to make sense of this life eludes you. In a moment, we're going to pray and give God thanks this morning. And if you feel God calling in your heart, you're looking to work on those emojis of life and you recognize that you can't do it alone, that God and God alone can help you with that, then you need to accept his free gift of salvation. And today can be the day of salvation for you. I'll say a simple prayer and you can pray along with me. So the emoji of jealousy... We need to remember that jealousy will come. Jealousy will make you miserable. Jealousy will ruin relationships. But jealousy can be overcome. But you need to recognize it. You got to expose it to the light. Stop comparing. Start giving thanks. And look to the cross.